This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blues Focus podcast airing every week on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, joining me this week, I've got Callum um, and we're going to get straight into it this week. Callum, we've got a couple of talking points starting with your thoughts on the point away at Swansea. Good point. After beating Brentford, I don't think we could have done anything better. I think any point away from home is good, especially in the Championship. A team like Swansea is one we need to be beating, but they're going to be up there themselves. So an away point at Swansea is not to be sniffed at, especially second game of the season. So I was, I was fairly pleased. Well, we played Swansea away from home early doors last season and... Uh... Was it three nil? It finished. I think actually, what the floor of us probably could have been double figures from what I can remember. Um, and and that was obviously with us playing this expansive football at the time that Pep Clotet wanted, and um, and we didn't even look remotely threatening in that game last season. So to compare that to this season, uh, again, such an early stage, and you you can see the differences of night and day between what we were last year and what we are this season. <clears throat> I think it's a good indicator to think that Swansea, um, you know, another another playoff side from last season that we faced, another clean sheet um on the road as well. Yeah. Um can only can only boost the lads as well. You know, confidence is gonna soar more with um with results like that, I think. But um, obviously, before we talk a bit more about the game, one of the main talking points from that was the whole incident with John Sorrell on the touchline with Alan Tate. has now been confirmed today that there uh, he's been charged. So, I mean, I'm not, I suppose we're all in the same boat. It's only right, isn't it, really? Yeah, I just didn't know what to think about it when, when I saw it. Obviously, I didn't immediately know why it happened, but doesn't matter really it doesn't warrant that it's a bit silly from an ex-footballer as well like whether Terrell did say something you don't you shouldn't be doing that it would have been still bad but a little bit 
understandable if a, if a player had done it, but to come from a coach on the sideline was pretty bad. I think the thing that makes me laugh about it was when I was watching um, <clears throat> watching the scores coming on Saturday, and it was obviously come to half time, and all I heard was that. Uh, there was a Blues player on the floor and it was kicking off and my first thought was, oh, excellent, could be a red card to Swansea, thinking, or just assuming it would be a Swansea player. And when I seen the actual incident itself, I just thought, what on earth? Like I say, you don't know what John Terrell said, you don't know what's gone on. But staff especially, they're there to set an example to the players. Swansea have got a lot of young players um, and they should be leading by example. And if that's what their staff are going to do, then... Doesn't, yeah. they, they, you know, doesn't really, doesn't really bode well, does it? But not a game of many chances, to be honest. Um, typical nil-nil. Typical nil-nil. Average at the end, though, showed why we've been crying out for a quality keeper for mm. a couple of good couple of years now. Um, yeah, I mean, what did you think overall? Was you happy with what you're seeing from us? Yeah, definitely after the, the the three points against Brentford, like I said before, we couldn't really go wrong with a nil-nil against Swansea. And we're looking, we looked a bit shaky at the back, but we're getting better. And I think, yeah, the save from Etheridge, obviously it was a good save, but Swansea didn't really do much all game to, to trouble us. We didn't either. Obviously, Ivan Sanchez looked good again coming out wide he looks quite good but yeah nil-nil solid don't think you can go much wrong with that if it was at home you might have wanted us to have pushed a bit more for the three points but an away result nil-nil four points into on onto the next one I suppose yeah definitely and before we move on to thoughts on the next one a bit later in the podcast we first time we've been able to sit down since the start of the season so we've also got the Brentford game that we've not really touched base on um, yeah Good start to the season. We always seem to have Brentford's number on the opening day. So, yeah. What did you think about that, watching that? It was good to finally see a, a blue team under Karanka. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of hype in the off-season, the short off-season with the signings he made. I'm happy with with them all, really. I know George Friend, Adam Clay, and some people have said, oh, they're not going to do anything near to what they did in that promotion winning side for Borough, but solid additions and they seem to perform pretty well. Yeah, we beat Brentford 1-0 on the first game of last season. Went on to survive on the last day, but I don't think that'll be the case this season. I'm pretty confident that we'll get a fairly respectable finish. And yeah, Brentford dominated the chances and the possession, but Blues never really have a lot of the ball anyway. And we were quite resilient and we didn't look to we didn't look to lose the lead at any point in the game. Geekop was quite good in goal. He looks to be a good keeper for the future. Could be quite bold, but you look at Lee Camp, no disrespect to him and the previous keepers before that, but the the height of Geekop, the build, he looks like a keeper like a goalkeeper you'd want in your side. Obviously, he's not quite got the age and the experience yet, but a couple of loan spells could do that for him. But no, we looked we looked good, and uh, one nil against Brentford, who 
were moments away from the Premier League before Fulham obviously went two up. But yeah, can't go much wrong with that. So that was a it was a nice a nice result to to start the season. Always nice to get one over on Brentford when they uh, since they fabricated a rival with us for signing all their best players a couple of years back as well. So can't can't grumble about that, can we? I suppose. Interesting again. <clears throat> we mentioned it with Swansea playing them early on last season and early on this season away from home. Same with Brentford. I know it's first game of the season, beating one nil last year, beating one nil this year. But the Brentford of this year, this season. You take Watkins out of there and Ben Rama didn't play, but you still replace Watkins with a £10 million proven goal scorer in Tony. Um, you know, you've got Mbermo still played and they've got players in there that, like you say, were moments away from the Premier League. So the Brentford of the first day of the season this year, you know what they're about. So to be able to, it's a much better result this time round than it was last time round for me purely because, you know, Brentford know what they're about. That, whether you like him or not, that Thomas Frank's got them playing exceptional football sometimes. Um, and like you say, you've got the odd game changer in Burma, for example. So to be able to keep them at bay for, for 90 minutes with, I want to say, relative ease. I know Gcock had to make a, a couple of saves and there's a few moments where we looked a bit shaky, but all in all... Um, complete switch around from last year. Yeah, moving on from that. Uh, more news to start the week positively yesterday. Signing um, San Jose on free contract. Free, over 300 appearances for Bilbao. Um, 31 years old. What are your thoughts about that? I remember watching in the Europa League final a couple of years back. A very good player. Yeah, the signings Karanka's made already were good. Obviously, a lot of managers do it with bringing players from the previous clubs. As in, he's brought Friend and Clayton from Borough. But the other signings he's made, we were touching it on. We were touching on it before recording John Lecco. Whether he will be a starter or not, he's still an alright signing. Before he got injured, he was playing quite well for Charlton last season. But the, the signings he's made are good. And then you see this one completely out of the blue. It's a bit like, well, Karanka seems to have the pull to get the players in. I know there's, because we've obviously got that youngster as well earlier today, which we'll touch on. But the Spanish element of the players we're signing, it is coming through. And yeah, this... You don't play 300-odd times in the La, in, in La Liga if you're not good. So I think San Jose will be quite a solid, well, a very solid addition if we can fit him in the system right, which I, I think we will. Yeah, it, for over 300 La Liga appearances, Europa League runner-up, uh, member of the Spanish under-21 squad that won the Euros. What, seven full Spanish international caps, uh, won the Copa del Rey, um, runner-up twice in it as well, I think, if I remember rightly. So, a player of real pedigree that we've signed there. Um, and, you know, you could say of, of the highest level because Champions League appearances, um, 
I said to you off air, and I don't want to sound like that muppet from, from down the road, Ang Bonner, or comparing Grealish to Iniesta, because that's not what I'm doing. But for me, this signing of San Jose reminds me of the time when Wolves signed Ruben Neves. Mm. In terms of, at the time, Neves was too good for the, the championship. He was being linked to Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, pretty much any Champions League team under the sun. I know there wasn't that talk around San Jose, but he's still clearly a player that you could say is shouldn't be a championship side. Definitely not one that's just survived on the last day of the season again, with or without Karanka. So, to me, it's a real statement signing, even on a free contract. And I just, I don't know. It's, like you say, come out of the blue. First thing you hear about it's Sunday morning when, uh, yeah, we get told he's gone for a medical. And it's like, sometimes they're the best signings. You know, you, you bought in a player of, like I say, absolute quality. And, and and you haven't had all these stupid in the no accounts making rumours about it for weeks on end. It's literally just boom, done. Yeah, and he's got the age on his side with being <clears throat> 31. He's obviously got the all, all the experience. That's probably why he's coming into the championship with the experience can help a team like Blues endlessly. So, yeah, <laughs> quite good. Well, it's interesting to think where he plays. Is a, a holding midfielder or a, a centre-back now? Obviously, we've got Friend and, and Dean are the main two-choice centre-backs at the minute. <clears throat> Friend was brought in, promotion experience with Middlesbrough. You know, he's got that know-how. He can marshal a defence. He's, he's, he's loud. He's a leader. Um and he brings that experience that we was lacking at the back with Roberts and Dean. And to me, San Jose is the midfield. So you've got Sunic going to be a top quality player. San Jose plays the same role as him. Mm. So it's seen as a, a almost like a mentoring San Jose and, and Sunic. That could be a great little partnership to watch them to well, Sunich can learn from him. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, like I say, you can't sniff it, sniff it that deal at all. Brilliant deal. Um, and, and as you mentioned, a uh, young lad on signed Soldevia, signed today, going to the under-23s at first, but he was with Barcelona's youth team. Don't really know too much about him, but what are your thoughts on that? It's always nice to have a holy thought of youngster in the team isn't it yeah again I didn't know anything about him before we signed him did a little bit of research but obviously he might not come into the starting lineup for the next year or two could be a little bit like Medina we've got who kind of comes in and out maybe for a couple of cup games but from where he's come from Barcelona youth team obviously he's he should be quite good but it's still a little bit of a weird one. But they've obviously seen something in him and he's young, so another body always helps. And obviously he can improve before he comes to the first team with the uh, with the academy. I think the name that always springs to mind when I think of 
play, young Spanish players that you know you'd if you was linked with them back in the day, you'd go, "Well, who's that?" And the main one I think of is Sergio Canos at Brentford. Because <clears throat> if I remember rightly, was he Barcelona's reserves, and then he ended up at Liverpool, or and then they released him. And obviously, along the way, he's made his way to to Brentford now. But you know, solid, proven Championship player. So it just goes to show that these players that are obviously unknown at the time can have got that bit about them sometimes. You've just got to find the right ones. And if you look at the deals we've done so far this window, um, and obviously if stories are to be believed, Karanka's had a say in all of the deals that have, have gone on. <clears throat> he obviously sees something in him. Mm. <clears throat> and the, the job so far has has worked wonders with Karanka approving and agreeing to things. He's got an eye for a talent. So mm. let's let's see what happens, I suppose. You can't can't knock the lad at all, can you? We don't know him to knock him. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a case of seeing what he can do in the Academy squad. There's there's quite a few players in there already that are gonna come come through the ranks quite soon. So I'm I'm excited to see we've got a good a good bunch in in the under twenty threes at the moment. So, to be fair, for the academy, it's looking very very promising, very promising. Well, we've still got that young lad, Spanish lad in there from last season as well. Is it Miguel Fernandez? He called, I think, um, right left midfielder. Uh, you know, he's. I think he was been given a, a first team number this season, hasn't he? So. Who knows? A bit later on in the window, a bit later on in the season, should I say, not window. Um, whether he makes an appearance, it'd be uh, interesting to see what he's all about. One player that could perhaps hamper that a little bit, though, which we're going to touch touch on now, is the uh, rumour that still seems to circulate, um, picking up a bit of pace. Jack Clark on a season-long loan from Tottenham. Um, Thoughts on this? Another winger in the squad? Another winger, another attacking player, another exciting signing. I think he'd be brilliant. He was good for Leeds and obviously got his move to Spurs. Not quite going to make it. Yeah, another attacker, another exciting player, another good signing, I think. He was good at Leeds and obviously made his name, got his move to Spurs. Not quite going to make it in the Spurs lineup yet. So obviously it's loans, loan deals for him, but he'll be depth and he'll he'll come on and give us give us the spray of youth and I think a bit of energy and some goals hopefully. So don't see why it'll be a bad signing. I think it'll be a, a very good signing, especially if he can. It doesn't matter so much if he doesn't score, but I'd like to see him create a lot of chances. So he could be quite good. And I think he'd fit into the system quite well, I reckon. It's interesting to think that <clears throat> even for, for Leeds, before he got his move to Spurs, he played, what, 10 games for them? Something like that, 15 games. I didn't really have much end product. Obviously, he was, what, 17 years old at the time at Leeds. And then, obviously, a loan spell at back to Leeds after he signed for Spurs, recalled, went to QPR second half for last season. But 
it's weird that you talk about an 18-year-old player and say that he needs to rediscover the form mm. that it got him a move. But it's almost like that's how this one feels. Mm, yeah, he's, he's but... gone to he went to Spurs, big move for not say seventeen years old or whatever he was at the time, ten million pounds. I think it was the the fee thereabouts. Obviously, hasn't played for Spurs. Didn't play when he returned to Leeds. Was a in and out of the solid at QPR. So. Is it about time that he had a loan move where he can really make a mark on professional football now? Announce himself as a as a decent player. I think that's what <clears throat> that's how we've got to look at it. Is he's got to come to us and prove the point if that's what he's that's what the plan is to bring him in. Yeah, I think he. I think he can in the championship as well. I don't expect us to challenge for playoffs or even get playoffs, but even a top fourteen, top twelve finish, he can play well enough to get his name out there again and possibly go back to Tottenham and get in the squad. But it, it could be a case of he plays that well for us, he leaves and comes to us, or just goes to another championship side or even one in the bottom half of the Premier League. So, no, I think it's quite promising. If it happens, obviously, it could be quite good. The Championship is unpredictable. I'm sitting here saying we might not get playoffs. We might win the league. We might lose 10 on the bounce and be in the bottom three come March time. So, you just don't know. But I think it could be quite quite a good signing. I think, in terms of the league this season, I don't think any team really stands out to me in terms of real got to run away with it sort of quality so far you know last season you you had you knew what Leeds were all about under Bielsa um, you know you had Fulham kept the majority of their Premier League players they were all you know Mitrovic up top I mean he did, shouldn't be anywhere near a championship so he, mm-hmm. you know West Brom had, you know Pereira um Kravinovic, creative. You knew Bilic as manager, so you knew they were going to be up there. This year, I look at the teams that come down, for example. Norwich don't really set the world alight. Watford, good side, good players, but so much uncertainty around them still. Is Saar going to go, etc., etc.? So they don't really look like world beaters at the minute. Bournemouth, I mean, they've been fleeced for Wilson, Fraser, Akai. Um, that was always going to Yeah, so that's the core. But they're three of their, what, top five players. Um, you know, still looks likely that probably Brooks will go from there. Uh, maybe even, you know, your likes of Lerma in midfield, who oh, I'm a, a massive fan of, but... Um, yeah, I've had a price bracket, so I'm not even going to mention that. Um, so, you know, and then after that, it's just the teams that are in there last season anyway. Mm. And we've already faced two of the four in the playoffs last year and got four points, so it's wide open. Oh, it's always wide open. And I think there's 
touching on what you've said, I don't think there is, other than Watford, I don't think there is a standout in the t- in the league. I don't think, I'm pretty confident Watford will go up, whether that's first, second or playoffs. But other than them, there's teams like Stoke, Swansea, could be in for good seasons. Blues, if we get it right, but yeah, like you say, Brentford and Swansea, two teams, playoff calibre teams, who we've we're, we've snatched more than just a win off. So yeah, I think you look at the the bookies odds. You look at what the pundits are saying about us, and it's easy to say. Birmingham would be a pretty big table, especially after the last couple of years. We really would, be. Yeah. but a lot of that basis gets on comes off the fact that what we've been over the past few years, which is a relegation side, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Karanka in there, you know, the likes of Clayton, Friend, Sanchez, these players through the door, San Jose yesterday. No one knows what we're capable of this season yet. No one does. Um, I'm not going to get ahead of myself after two games and four points. Doesn't matter who it's against. But there is no one, apart from possibly Karanka, for example, right now, who, who, who realistically knows what this side is capable of achieving in the next nine months. Mm. And that's in a way, the beauty of the championship that it's that unpredictable because we part of me was sitting here this time last season and thinking, yeah, we, we, we could have a decent season, but then actually 10 games in now. But I actually think, like I said to you off there, like, I'd, not for a good few years, I've not seen, okay, red now, but actually good signings, I've not seen us make a lot of good signings in a, in a short space of time and they're all pieces to fit in the in the project like it's been one of the better transfer windows every day has been exciting in the last three four five weeks because you know the, well, the rumor mill starts and then you know something's going to happen and every single one of the players we've signed has been on the money so this season, yeah, no, I don't think playoffs, and that won't necessarily bother me, just top top half, and that would be very decent, and I don't see why we can't, because already, yeah, two games in, scored one, but we already look to be a, a more well-rounded side, and from what Karanka did previously, I'm hopeful. Yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, positive, I don't want to use the word too much, but yeah, positive vibes, so to speak, coming out of, coming out of the club at the minute, which is, uh, like, like we said, is a stark contrast to last season. So, you know, it can only get better, can't it, really? I don't think it could have got much worse than last season, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got Rotherham on Saturday. Um but just before we speak about our thoughts on that, um, I keep saying San Jose through the door now, but in the run-up to Rotherham, 
in theory, when everyone's fully fit and, and ready to supply, what is, in your mind, the strongest lineup and formation that, that we can put out? Well, obviously, I'd say the back, the keeper in the back four, the keeper in the back four is is nailed. It'll be Etheridge, Colan, Friend, Dean, and Peds Pedersen. But then, if we're going with the four-two-three-one, obviously Karanka's formation. For now, like you did say previously, San Jose and Sunich could fall, but. I'm not sure whether they'll fit right together. So to start with, it could be Sunich and and Gary Gardner, maybe. But eventually, it will probably be San Jose. Then then you'd have Bella Crowley. Well, mm, see, some people think Crowley's better off the bench, but I sometimes like that pizzazz and that speed straight away. But Obviously, you've got Terrell, so it'll probably be Bella, Terrell and Sanchez. And we were talking whether you play, you keep with Duke because of the height, but do you bring your, I suppose, if you look at Duke and Hogan, who's the more goal scorer type of striker? It is Hogan. So do you just play Hogan up front? Think, play it on the ground a bit more, not so much with the, with the obviously, because he's not the tallest in the air, but it probably would be Duke. But for me personally, I'd I'd start Hogan up front. So that would be mine. It's interesting to say about Crowley and Sorrell, because, I mean, we didn't really speak about it too much when it happened, because obviously there's not been um, much recording over the off-season, really. I've had a couple of sit-downs with Elliot and spoke about it, but... Terrell's the Terrell from the low, low deal a couple of years back then. He walked into that starting lineup Every week. Pretty much every week, yeah, without a fail. And he's he's really gone. His career's really hit a, a crossroads now where it's a case of, that's why I think we've done a one-year deal with the option of a second. Mm. Because this is a year where we said we've said to him, show us what you was show us what you was when we had you first song round and you've got that second year it's on a plate for you yeah you know all signed and done and dusted but you've got to show that you still want to be what you were yeah a championship starting 11 player because at Hull it really went to, to crap for him I think he did have a couple of injuries didn't he and obviously hasn't helped but for me, I like Crowley. A very good signing. A very good player to have in the side, in the team. But I just, I think it's easy to say he was out of position last season. Because he was. He, he's not a right-sided player, is he? And he spent most 90% of the games cooped out on the right wing. But I find it difficult to, to put him into my starting eleven. If I'm looking at the strongest lineup, because Terrell has had a good start. He was a bit hit and miss against Swansea, but he impressed me against Brentford. I mean, there was that one pass that he played that it's all over Twitter if you, you know, for the Blues fans. But 
I see a lot of people saying the same thing. If De Bruyne or David Silva or, you know, one of these midfield maestros from the Premier League played that pass, it'd be everywhere. It'd be worldwide. Terrell played that pass from no one but Sonoli because he's just John Terrell from Birmingham City. So he has got that quality and that's what I want in my number 10. And I know Crowley's shown it in little, little glimpses, but Terrell in that loan deal, again, I keep touching on it, he was different class. He's yeah. different class and, and you know that that player is in there somewhere. And you're only going to bring that back out by playing, giving him the game time. Yeah. If you, at the first chance you get, take him out the starting eleven and say, go on, Crowley, you're in, mate. Two out. Pop your bib on, you're on the bench again. It's not going to help, yeah. It's not going to change anything. So for me, I, 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 I stick Terrell in there. Mm. And, and Crowley off the bench. <laughs> we did talk about it off air about Duke and, and Hogan. The problem is Karanka wants one striker. And you know, oh, I think it's pretty obvious that pre-lockdown, Duke and Hogan work better together. Take one away from the other and, and, and they're lacking something. Mm. Um, how would you bring the best out of that, though? Well, it's the support system, isn't it? I suppose it was the same when we had Shay Adams and you had Shay, the runner in behind, the smaller of the two, Duke winning the high balls. So it's the same situation with him and Hogan. But if you if you if you want to play with one up front, you probably would look to Duke just because of the height, because you don't need him to be rapid or you don't need him to get because he can bring other players into the game by holding the ball up and then obviously you've got Sanchez, Terrell and Bella to do to, to be the pacey ones and to create the, the spark and put it in for Duke. So in that aspect, Duke, but just because he's the more likely one, if if either to score 12 plus, I'd play Hogan, but that purely just depends how much we're going to air the ball and loft it. Because other than set pieces, if we play it on the ground, Hogan can be like a Vardy, obviously nowhere near as good. If we can get in in the line and get in beyond the defence, obviously whether Duke can do that still, he's got a shot yeah, in it. Your two differences, as you say, there is your Hogan's like you're similar to your Vardy-esque style. Mm. Hangs on, hangs on the shoulder. You don't want him in the build-up play. You want him on the end of the through ball. You don't want him dropping back, playing passes with Sunjic, popping it out to Sanchez. You want him stay out of the way. Let the midfield five as it will be. Do the job. Do the work. Get you up. Ball through. That's where you've got to be on the end of that pass. You don't want you messing around. Duke, you find, obviously, because he's the big target man. Um, and I think it almost goes amiss how quite, just how good he actually is at this aspect of the game. Because he's there uh, bringing the ball down on his chest, holding it up, bringing other players into it, you find that he gets dragged into that so much more. He gets dragged into the, mid, the, the middle third of the pitch. Um, and when you're only playing with one up top... And your one up top is slap bang in the middle of the pitch. Mm. That's where you become a little bit 
toothless going forward. Um, you know, we touched on it, yeah, two great results against Brentford and Swansea, but only one goal. I'm not saying I expected four or five goals in each of them games, but um, even Swansea, our best chance was probably John Terrell's effort in the first half that was saved. Um, just goes to show our best chance wasn't our striker. Mm. Even on the road, when you want to be taking chances, our best chance wasn't from our striker. It was from one of our midfielders being the most advanced player and being the one in the position to take that that shot on goal. Um, I think that's where Hogan slightly edges it for me in the starting eleven. Um, mm. It's a, it's a tricky one because I, I do like Duke and, and like I said, he's he brings yeah. something that I don't think I don't think any other striker in the championship can really do what he does. I think that's why he's so yeah. well thought of amongst other teams, other managers, because you could go to every single club in the championship, at every single striker, first team, reserves, whatever. They don't do what he does. They don't. They don't have it. It's just the work. It's just the work ethic, the work rate. He can. He's the striker, but he'll bring pe- he'll bring other people into the game by holding the ball up, and he's quite selfless in that respect. But yeah, I mean, to it's a difficult one because he's been an ever present in the squad for years, and when you think of blue strikers, it is Djokovic. But if Hogan can play the way he did before lockdown and because to be honest yeah he, he knows dived after lockdown but I think a lot what well, they all did and it's not it wasn't even just Birmingham it was just players from other clubs and you can't just think well I was a bit naive when we were thinking of re-signing him oh well is he going to be like he was after lockdown but then you you break it down and they were all the same mm-hmm. and we completely nosedived. And if we'd have picked up a couple of results, we wouldn't have been staying up on the last day. We were fairly safe anyway, but besides the point, I'd, I would start Hogan. But obviously, is he going to be the goal scorer you want? Because as we said as well before recording, he's a confidence player. So obviously, if you if he misses a chance and you play Duke the next game, that's him done for like three weeks. So it's just a case of finding that balance. So could be a case of playing two up front, but obviously there is Karankas wanting to play one up front. So I suppose it's just going to be a case of waiting waiting and seeing. I think for for the game on Saturday, I, think, I still think it'll be Duke. But in the long run, for me, I'd say Hogan. Yeah, I agree with you there, Tyler. That's all we've got time for today. But quickly before we wrap it up, um, prediction for Saturday. Well, I'd like to think we'll win at home, Rotherham. Be nice to score some goals, but any sort of win is a win. I'll go with 2-1 Blues. I'll say 2-1. Yeah, 2-1, in agreement. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you to Callum for joining me on this episode. 
uh, send us your questions uh, on the socials at Blues Focus Pod. Um, like I say, this is going to be a weekly thing now. The season is back up and running again. And yeah, thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.